It's another week of closure updates, even more project delays, and are we given a hint about what life at the parks will be like when they reopen? That and more, all on today's Park Hop. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Great Park Hop. My name is Julian James, and continuing to join us live from the Hall Cave, where his turkey leg stash is starting to get dangerously low, the man, the myth, the legend, Henry Hall. Happy Easter! Each week we get together to discuss the latest and greatest theme park news, happenings, and burning topics from the lands of Disney, Universal, and beyond. Before launching into things, we always like to note that Henry works at the Walt Disney Company, as always, though, his opinions are fully his own. Henry, doing anything for Easter other than sheltering and trying to stay away from everybody? Uh, I think we may actually watch a movie and uh, play some games and then, and then have some Easter spaghetti. Now, is Easter spaghetti different than normal spaghetti or is it just spaghetti on Easter? It's just spaghetti on Easter. Hey. There's never a bad time for spaghetti. Now, what movie are you going to watch? I'm not sure yet. We've been uh, actually catching up on some movies lately. Uh, that is something that we've been doing uh, along with, you know, watching the DuckTales and other stuff. But uh, we finally watched some of the movies that have been hard. Uh, it's been tough to get to. Yeah. Uh, we watched Joker and watched uh, oh Onward. Oh, yeah. We watched Onward, too. Yeah, it was great. I uh, really enjoyed that. Yeah, I thought so too, man. And then uh, we also watched uh, the new Zombieland 2. Uh, oh, how was that? that? Uh, enjoyed it. It was fun. Like the If you enjoyed the first one, you'll probably enjoy the second one. Nice. Yeah, we, uh, we saw Onward as well. I think that was the only real movie that we watched this last week. I thought Onward was... It was, it felt more focused than I think the trailers made it seem where, you know, at least in looking at the trailers, it looks like, it looked to me like it was this kind of big expansive kind of story that involved various different Dungeons and Dragons and kind of medieval parodies. And that was going to be the movie that was kind of, you know, uh, tied in very loosely with this story. But um, I guess, you know, I should give Pixar probably more credit um, going into something just because it, it ended up being this really sweet, emotional journey of these two brothers looking to kind of connect with their dad, both literally and emotionally. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, like uh, I think one of the things I like it, uh, about the movie is that, I mean, it's a lot of times when you see like uh, relationships be- between brothers – it always has brothers like fighting with each other and like an older brother always picking on the younger brother. And I like that they actually kind of break that kind of movie and TV show stereotype. Uh, Cause not all brothers, I, I think fight with each other. And sometimes you generally just get along, you know, sure, yeah. but of course, uh, you know, you don't see that a lot, you know, it's just like always seeing, uh, you know, fathers in, in TV shows and movies, the father doesn't really take any time to like, really like parent. It's always the mother doing that is like, you know, that's not true. You know, you know, some fathers actually do like, you know, actually fathers. So, you know, 
it's it's nice that you're starting to see a lot of these like stereotypes and movies and TV shows being broken. One of the things that I have really enjoyed about some of the more recent Pixar films is that they really do a very good job of tackling kind of these complex issues of, you know, Finding Dory was very much like uh, it was issues with uh, being different and and kind of having an affliction and how others around you see that and how that affects your general friendship dynamics. Um, I just think you have a lot of those examples in in these more recent Pixar films. And in this, the idea that the the dynamic, without spoiling so much, um, you know, the family dynamic wasn't necessarily in the way that you would... Uh, that you would expect in a traditional animated film where maybe things are a little bit more simplistic in terms of everyone's relationship with one another, but then also specifically how everything gets resolved and and how the family dynamic is reshaped by the narrative and the resolution. And so, you know, I thought that the way that the movie ended and uh, the way that the relationship shifted as a result of that was very mature and very, very modern, to, to, for lack of a better phrase. But it felt it felt both fresh and and real. Like it felt very natural. It felt like they had reached this conclusion in a um, in a very smart and, like I said, emotionally uh, emotionally honest way, which. At least for me, I feel like in a lot of modern, even just movies, not just animated movies, that's that's not always the case. Whenever you deal with family dynamics and emotions, sometimes it feels a little hokey and a little cheap and and a little unearned, especially when you get those emotional moments. And and I felt I didn't feel that way with Onward. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, it, it definitely had a more mature. Uh, ending a more definitely more realistic you know type uh ending to it than i gen than you generally expect from these type of movies so it was definitely refreshing do you think that uh do you think that it was smart of them and by them i mean disney to put it directly to uh disney plus so soon I mean, this was one of these early titles, right, that pretty much was in theaters very quickly right around the time of the shutdowns kind of did OK. It didn't do that. It didn't do that great. But again, it was right when things were just at the very beginning of these of this coronavirus fears. And so um, so perhaps that was a was a major factor for it. But, you know, it was it was very quickly put onto their streaming platforms um, and made available to purchase and rent. So do you think that, I don't know, I, I don't, I don't even know if the question is helped it or was a smart idea, but do you think that was, that was a strategy that you'd like to see with more of these animated films going forward? Well, I don't know. Like, uh, I think it definitely helped Disney cause I think it, it was at a time where it's, it's very like, you know, um, onward was still kind of a relevant uh, movie. It was still very much like in people's uh, 
minds as far as like this just came out in the theaters because it just went to theaters and now they were making it available on the disney plus so i think it was smart for disney for for one thing it brought attention to disney plus so people who weren't you know necessarily subscribing to disney plus uh might have considered that now oh we should subscribe to disney plus since we're going to be stuck at home uh plus i think it helped uh people who were maybe feeling that disney plus was running out of content that they relevant content that they were looking for at the time so i think it was a smart move um uh i think I would definitely like to see more of this, but I I don't know if we are going to see necessarily more of these type of things. I think you'll see more like uh, maybe smaller budget type movies go directly to Disney Plus. But uh, I mean, I I would like to see this. I mean, it winds up like, you know, saving money, but uh, I don't know. It does seem that, uh, to your point, it does seem like they are focusing quite a bit more towards original content with Disney+. Plus. So uh, whether this was a factor or not, or whether this was kind of already a decision that had been made and it's just coming out now, uh, it was just this last week that they announced that Robin Hood is going to be getting the Lion King treatment. So obviously not, this is, we're not into theme park news quite yet. This is kind of like what you're saying. It's a, Robin Hood has always been one of these smaller Disney animated films that isn't necessarily considered the cream of the crop. I enjoy it. Uh, I know that it has its fans and defenders as well, but it's always thought of as kind of that B, C tier level of Disney animation. And so it kind of makes sense, I guess, if they're going to, uh, to do that that weird kind of lifelike CG animation remake that they did with The Lion King that they're going to also do that with uh, with Robin Hood. It, it, it seems a little strange on the surface because Lion King, at least, they were animals being animals that could just talk. So, you know, it wasn't quite as weird to see these kind of... Um, semi-photorealistic animals being animals, but then when you get into Robin Hood where it's animals as humans uh, and you turn that into a photorealistic 3D setting, that might be a little strange. So I'm, I'm, I'm unsure about that. I'll, I'll, I guess I'll wait until the trailer, but I don't know. There's definitely people who are out there and enjoy Robin Hood, as you said. It, I think it's, it's kind of niche, but it's also something that uh, I think you can, can do and reintroduce like uh younger audiences to uh and there's a lot more to it that can to that world so you can you can expand the story very easily right did you see the uh have you seen the lady in the tramp one yet oh yeah that was i think the first thing we watched because uh the wife loves the lady in the tramp thumbs up thumbs down oh no she loved it I enjoyed it. If they go that route, I mean, it definitely, uh, I don't see a problem with, I mean, uh, Disney's been, as far as from like a movie point of view for me, has been doing pretty good. I mean, really good, I guess I should say. Um, so I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to like 
movies. It's the same with Marvel. Uh, DC movies, I'm a little bit iffy on, but, you know, I'll give the Disney and Marvel movies a, a, a go. Fair enough. I mean, if you're a subscriber, you're already plugged in, man. What do you got to lose? Oh, for sure. Well, we can uh, we can now dive back into park news updates. We're going to start things off the way we always do these days with some park closure updates. As I'm sure you remember, all of the Disney parks are currently closed until further notice. That hasn't stopped little bits and pieces of news and speculation from trickling out, though. Um, so we're going to begin in Florida, where Click Orlando is reporting that during a live town hall meeting, the mayor of Orange County, which is where Disney World is located, speculated on when local business would resume operations. He said, quote, I believe given the models, it could be June, early June, where we see some relaxing of the restrictions in place. But they would have to stay in place to some degree through late summer. So I think this was to your point, Henry, earlier. Uh, not only, though, do these restrictions have to be lifted, but you were mentioning, I think it was last episode or maybe the episode before that, but then everybody needs to come back. All of the staff needs to return to the park, and then they need to kind of get everything back up and running. So even though there's speculation that it could be this June time frame, um, could be a lot longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it makes sense that they're going to have to get things back up and running, but then also like, you know, they're going to probably have to like do some training on how do we move forward with, you know, this type of stuff, because more than likely, you know, there's still going to be concerns about the COVID-19 and, and how, like, you know, what new, like, uh, standards and practices need to be put into place. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, um, it's like we've all been saying everything's not going to immediately go back to normal. We're already seeing that in, uh, China at Shanghai Disneyland and Shanghai Disneyland resort in general, where things are opening up in phases. People are required certain, uh, certain, um, they've got to pass certain tests and, and take temperature and do all of this. So yeah, I mean, it's still, it's still to be seen exactly what those methods are going to be, but yeah, there's, there's going to be some new stuff when things get going and it's going to take some time to get that rolled out and, and trained. And I mean, they need to, everyone's furloughed at this point, basically. So they need to get everyone back for that, for that part. Right. Oh yeah. So sticking on the East coast, it appears that Epcot is accepting applications for positions that are scheduled to start in August. This is from WD News Today, who spotted these listed on the Disney Careers page for both Norway and Germany cultural representative programs at the Epcot World Showcase. Both positions note that they will start between August and November 2020. So that may give us a little indication, at least when they feel at least when Disney feels like things are going to be really ready to, to roll is that August kind of time frame. It makes sense. I mean, at least let's hopefully save Halloween. Yeah. I, I mean, they're, they are, I, I believe they've, they're still selling Mickey's Halloween party tickets. So that hasn't stopped. I think I would be very surprised if anything changes in that regard, but I guess you never know. But, uh, but at least it seems like they're expecting that that's going to continue. 
Oh, man, I tell you, that would be brutal. Wouldn't that be sad? Jumping over to Disneyland, we now have word that Disney California Adventures Villains Night, which was originally scheduled for April 30th, won't be canceled and will instead be rescheduled. So no new time frame has been provided. However, the blurb on the Disneyland closure information page does mention that everyone who already has a ticket will be automatically eligible for the rescheduled event. A number is also listed on that blurb just in case you're no longer interested in attending. And to be extra clear, in that verbiage of the blurb, they don't explicitly say that you'll get a refund, but they say that they'll work with you to figure out kind of next steps. And it sounded like there were unconfirmed reports from people that they weren't necessarily offering refunds when that number was called, but they were instead offering like, a one-day park hopper pass. Mm. It's good that they'll work for, with you, but I guess it really depends on how far they push it out. But I imagine we'll start to see more kind of things like this where, you know, they are trying to, like, keep this kind of stuff, particularly these uh, the night functions, just rescheduling them to another uh, night because this is something that they... It's easier for them to do, and you don't want to just cut this stuff out completely uh so it makes sense yeah it, it is interesting though because so for um so for california adventure uh food and wine festival those special event those special ticketed events were refunded and i believe even uh any of the special ticketed events that occurred in uh in florida at walt disney world were also refunded so it seems a little strange if they're not doing that. And to be clear, they might be. I, I didn't have a ticket for this, so I can't I can't confirm or deny. I tried to look up uh, online and see if there were anybody else that really had confirmed reports for sure. The closest that I got was somebody saying that they weren't actually offering refunds and that they were instead offering this pass. So um wasn't 100% clear if that uh, they were speaking from you know, firsthand knowledge or if this was just speculation on their part. But like I said, uh, you, one would think that if an if, if a refund was for sure offered, uh, that they would call that out in the in the verbiage. And I mean, much like much like what we've discussed before with uh, with anybody that has dated tickets at this point, they've just been extended. They the op the opportunity for a refund isn't being offered at this point. So, again, it's possible as well. I don't know. I think some of these bigger events type stuff, it's it's harder for them to keep that kind of stuff just to move that date. But something like the night, uh, those night celebration type things are easier to move that date around since it generally doesn't require a whole lot of more stuff that, you know, that's running throughout the whole day. That's just the night. Uh, so I don't know. Might also just be because, like we've said, it's it's a different it's a different audience. When we talk about this constantly about the the um, the guests the guest population that attends Walt Disney World being more tourist tourist focused and out of towners as opposed to Disneyland where they're locals and um, you know if you're if you're purchasing a Disney After Dark ticket there's a there's a good chance that you you are either a local or you know you can 
you can fly in relatively easily or travel to relatively easily. So that may be a factor in that as well. It's it's easier for people that are closer to reschedule this kind of event. Yeah, I think also it depends on it may also have been too considering like uh the time frame of when they're giving you kind of notice for it and so people kind of have an idea yeah i don't know we'll see i mean they 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 said that they'll announce more information as uh at, at some point soon i imagine it's very difficult for them to plan for anything when they don't know when the parks are even going to be open. So certainly the last thing you want to do from a planning perspective is give a date that then ends up not happening anyway because of further delays. So uh, I imagine that's a big part of it. Agreed. So also in DCA, we knew this was coming. We were speculating last time we were talking that this was going to happen. But it appears that Avengers Campus will, in fact, be delayed. So previously, if you had gone to its dedicated page on the Disneyland Resort main site, it listed in big, bold letters that Avengers Campus would be opening on July 18th. However, since Friday, this messaging has been changed to, quote, Avengers Campus coming soon. Uh, That's a Bummer. <laughs> I mean, with no construction, only makes sense, right? But I think they made that announcement where they talked about that date, like the week of the closures or something like that. So yeah, uh, that's the definition of getting the wind knocked out of you. Yeah, it's a tough thing, but I mean, it's expected. I mean, it's not surprising, uh, you know, yeah, with all the construction being like halted it was expected that this would happen. Uh, just hope it's not, you know, I guess it depends on when parks open, but I hope it's not pushed out too far. It will be interesting to see when that gets rescheduled because obviously the, the logic in that July 18th date is that that's like red dead in those summer months where, you know, they're expecting peak tourism to the park. So, course that's when you want your that's when you want your big play to happen um and you know part of that logic part of part of part of the idea of having this big new land and big new attraction in dca has always been it seems like that it's going to draw away some of those massive crowds that we've been seeing at rise of the resistance and at galaxy's edge so without that it kind of also extends this time period that we're going to be experiencing boarding pass madness. I, I imagine that, uh, you know, anyone that is going to be back at the parks when they reopen is still going to have that interest in rise of the resistance. I don't think that interest has died down while these parks have been closed. So, you know, it seems like that release of pressure is, is delayed as well, which is, which is too bad, especially since, I mean, we were seeing all of this progress around the outside facade of the the web Spider-Man building. Um, so it's, that's, that's a bummer. I mean, hopefully it doesn't get pushed too far into, you know, fall and winter, but I don't know. Well, also something that should be noted too is that Disney also likes to like 
spread out there kind of like uh, I guess one of the reasons they I think they do it during uh, they were going to do it during peak is that it's also a time where they really don't run any other like special like events per se like you know you have the the food and wine festival like up into spring and then around this time you would have like the easter egg hunt type stuff and i mean you have like little things going to keep kind of interest in the parks going and during peak tourist season they don't usually run any of these like cool special things but i'm sure they don't want to stomp they don't want like uh to run into say up into halloween because you have your halloween stuff going on they want to spread out like you know the i guess people are going to come for halloween anyway so it's kind of wasting that kind of interest that they would normally just have bringing people in with just the avengers campus could you see if i mean it seems like you know with um galaxy's edge with its tiered kind of opening had its own delays with rise of the resistance which is why it ended up opening in january so i wonder if what we saw with rise of the resistance was that you can launch a big ride like that in january and it's not a major issue in terms of your attendance it's not a major issue in terms of you know that ride being slammed uh from open till close so i wonder if perhaps they looked at how rise performed in january and you know maybe they just hold it until then hold the opening of avengers campus until january yeah uh i think that would be a bit much i think they want to get it open as soon as possible because they've already put it out there uh and i mean i don't know i i don't see them uh delaying that per se there's a difference between like uh you know delaying a a ride to delaying a land uh right but i mean i don't know i mean at this point uh i think they kind of delay the ride because you can january is usually something that they don't really have anything going on you just come off of the holidays and then you have kind of a a blank period until you have where nothing's really going on until you have like your your um New Year's, uh, Chinese New Year, Asian New Year right. uh, festival in DCA. And that's refurbishment time frame. Yeah, but I mean, that's also a time where I think attendance isn't super high. So sure. that was a, a way that they could bring in people by bring, opening a new ride at that time. It's, it's I mean, it's smart because you have these kind of, I guess, beats throughout the year to get people's interest in the parks, which is smart, I think. Uh, but this year itself is just such a, uh, unknown at how, like with this, with the shelter in places, how this stuff is going to really impact their normal beats. I think they are kind of set. They kind of set themselves up where they have kind of this expected beats through the year uh, to keep people's interest in the parks. And it's obviously has uh, impacted that, but um, right for sure. I don't know how they're going to uh, 
how this is going to change after everything starts opening up. I don't know. Well, I mean, so even if we just though speculate that, you know, as soon as the parks open and construction continues that, you know, the amount of construction that they had left between mid-March to mid-July, which is when the, you know, the land was going to open, is still, it still remains there and consistent and that they're not compressing time frames or anything like that. I mean, that's still, they had what? Four months of construction, presumably left. Four months of four months of work before launch. So, if we're going to say that the parks open in August, I mean that puts us into what December? Are they going to are, are they going to launch in December? Like, let's say mid December. Are they going to say this is the time that we're going to launch Avengers Campus or? Do they then say we're going to wait until holiday season's over and peak insanity is over and then we kind of we launch when we launch when a lot of the popular rides might be down anyway um, for refurbishments and then we have a bright new shiny thing to bring people in when it's normally kind of a slow period and we need to juice stuff up anyway. Well, I I think that's my thought in terms of January. Well, that makes sense if they, if it was going to be like, I think, I think the idea of delaying it would depend on when it would really open. And I mean, I'm not sure where that construction left off, obviously, if it was going to open, I'd say anywhere in like November, December, or even October, uh, I would imagine they would push that out till January for sure or um, because it would make sense because I know as you said there's construction but then there's also training the cast and all that stuff so I I don't know if all that stuff was construction of course uh, it's I think some of it is also just getting the cast that members who are going to be like uh, working in the land up to speed and whatnot so it really depends on how much work it is still needed to actually get everything done. Totally. But as it uh, say, I mean, I don't think they want to interfere with the holidays or Halloween where they already have. And that's kind of the thing is, like I said, they like to spread out these beats or whatever and give everything. It's, it's time to kind of shine, uh, so yeah, in in that case, if it was going to open up anywhere between a Halloween and the holidays, I definitely think they would p- try and push it out to January. Uh, but I think they would want to get it open as soon as possible. If it was possible to get it open before uh, Halloween, I think they would. I mean, <laughs> they would need to open in, I mean, really July, right? And if they're going to try to do that before Halloween, which I I guess is possible, but well, it would probably be August. Uh, well, sure, but I mean, okay. So, I, I mean, you're right. It depends on how much. It all depends on how much construction is left. But certainly, certainly, and and that's going to be that's going to be the real defining factor, right? Because you can you can compress trainings of staff, and maybe you can even say, well, 
the way that we're going to disperse heroes and the way that we're going to have maybe events or whatever that is going to influence the amount of training required, that's we can scale that down to maybe have less less heroes or less whatever that requires training to kind of compress that time frame. You can't really do that with construction. I guess you can hire on even more people to try to speed it up. But at the end of the day, it's like that's the that's the core feature, right? Like you can't launch that land unless what you need built is built. Uh, and so but you can do that. You can mix and match maybe a little bit. You have a little bit more flexibility when it comes to staff and their presence. Uh, correct. I, th I think, yeah, it's going to be an interesting time because, uh, I mean, I think they, they definitely want it open because that's revenue to be yeah. to well, be made. And uh, but it's also going to be uh, right now after I think what's going to happen is after the parks do open, uh, I think people are going to want to come. But you have to also remember, like this uh shelter in place is going to affect a lot of people i mean it has affected a lot of people's livelihoods so that money uh yeah that extra or that money that they had to maybe do a trip or vacation may not be there anymore and it's going to take something extra to really get them to spend that money if they have it anymore to spend yeah Totally. It's easy to slip into that mindset where you immediately just kind of think that everyone's going to rush back to the parks as soon as those gates open. But yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Like not only is not only is their finances, you know, involved and finances that have been affected, but people really need to have that high level of confidence before they get right back into a theme park where they're, you know, asses and elbows against other individuals. And even if there is, even if there is a limit to the amount of people that they're bringing in and virtual queues set up, it, it, you know, you're still, you're still a theme park. And part of that theme park experience is being with a large group of strangers. So, you know, I, I, I question whether or not there's going to be a large appetite for that and whether people are going to have the confidence that, you know, they're at a point where that's a safe thing to do. Oh yeah. There's safety for sure. Like people wanting to like convince them to go out against the safety, but then, you know, a lot of people who got furloughed, um, they may have had, time off, you know, that got paid out. So they no longer have that time off that vacation pay that they would have if they could take a vacation. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, on top of all of this, something to, that, that Disney is going to have to consider is that, you know, as soon as Avengers campus construction is done, at least this phase one, they turn right around and start construction on phase two. So there is this big question of, you know, it's technically, I guess, phase two or the second part of phase one, however you want to look at it, is far enough away that you can still make that happen. But obviously, the more you compress, the more you, you know, the more this period of no construction extends, you start getting into those future plans of, 
well, so is this phase two going to happen for next summer or are we also having to figure out a way to move that around? So certainly a lot of questions still need to be answered with that, but hopefully, you know, we're, we're at a point where this, this, the campus isn't delayed too far, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, this, this falls into the big, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe it'll be delayed for a while. Maybe it won't. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm trying to be uh, optimistic in that, you know, hopefully it'll still open up this year is what I'm hoping. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah. reality is that we really don't know because also once the parks open up, they also have the other construction that they need to get done. And, you know, yep. they definitely need to get that uh, Haunted Mansion open by Halloween or, man, I mean, What's Halloween without the Haunted Mansion? Yeah. I mean, you have Haunted Mansion, you have Snow White, which was pretty far into its renovation. So, I mean, those are two big projects that, you know, you expect are major priorities to get done uh, on Disneyland's part. So, so we'll see. I mean, it's just, who knows? It's, it's, uh, It'll be interesting to see how everything falls into place and what gets shoveled around and what doesn't. Those changes are going to happen. It's just a matter of time. Um, but I do, so I do have, and interestingly, I do have a, uh, a piece here that I'm going to get to in a little bit to, to go deeper into kind of what we can expect when the park's open. But I do have a couple of quick other closure updates. So one uh, specifically with Tokyo Disney Resort. Uh, they've now extended their closure until mid-May at the earliest. This is something that the Oriental Land Company, which is technically the company that uh, owns and manages to Tokyo Disney Resort, they announced this extension along with delaying their new Fantasyland expansion indefinitely. So now Fantasyland is also in that coming soon bracket, whereas before they were in that mid-May timeframe. So clearly that's, that's not going to happen. That's part of that... Beauty and the Beast, uh, amazing looking dark ride uh, that we've seen a couple of previews for that looks really, really impressive. So this, of course, is in line with Japan's state of emergency, which was called on April 7th. Uh, and finally, looking at Universal News, uh, they're also getting in on the park closure update. So both Universal Orlando Resort and Universal Studios Hollywood will remain closed until at least May 31st. There was emphasis on the at least in the release that they put out. Uh, they also announced that they're going to be furloughing all part-time employees starting May 3rd. So everything is just getting pushed out further and further. This is all to be expected in this climate like we've been discussing. But um, but yeah, man, everything is just in flux. I want that. I want I want that uh, Beauty and the Beast dark ride that looks incredible. So hopefully, hopefully that doesn't get delayed too long. Yeah, that Beauty and the Beast ride is, I mean, it looks so cool. Like the, I guess, I don't know if they even call it animatronics anymore. Uh, but the, like, it looks so real. Like how they're moving and everything is so nice. It's so smooth. It, I mean, but that being said, it's, I mean, I feel for all these people who have been furloughed and everything. And I'm sure everybody just wants things to go back to normal, but it's so tough. Cause you know, just want to get this stuff done. 
Yeah. Well, and, and these delays now are going to make it so that we can actually get back to that stuff. So, I mean, as, as, as uh, frustrating as it is for sure to think about how everything's getting delayed and pushed out and all of these vacations and trips that are being affected, it's like delaying and, you know, putting pause on everything now is going to make it so that we can actually return to all of this cool stuff and get it up and running sooner. So in the end, important to remind ourselves that this is, this is a good thing that this is all happening and, you know, hopefully it's over before we know it. So those are, that's the, that's the updates on park closures. We also have a couple of updates on um, potentially what life is going to be like at a Disney park once things do get up and going. So we were speculating a little bit on this earlier, but, uh, but also Bob Iger uh, was starting to maybe probe into that question as well. So he was he he had a recent interview in Barron's magazine where uh, Iger had this to say about that. So, quote, one of the things that we're discussing already is that in order to return to some semblance of normal, people will have to feel comfortable that they're safe. Some of that could come in the form, ultimately, of a vaccine, but in the absence of that, it could come from basically more security, more restrictions. Just as we now have bag checks for everybody that goes into our parks, it could be that at some point we add a component of that that takes people's temperatures, as for instance. So, we've asked ourselves the question, let's prepare for a world where our customers demand that we scrutinize everybody even if it creates a little bit of hardship, like it takes a little bit longer for people to get in. Just as the case after 9-11, where people ultimately lived with the notion that in order for them to enter a building, if you're in an office building, you have to show a picture ID or get your picture taken and be screened. Or in order to enter a park, you have to put your bags out there to be checked and you go through some kind of metal detector. Or certainly that's what's going on in airports with the TSA. So uh, specifically, obviously he called out temperature checks, but he also talked about um, with that, there's that reference to some of the more intense security screenings that were added to all of the Disney parks post 9-11. And, and, you know, with those bag checks, with the metal detectors, those stayed for long after that. I mean, they're still going on. You want to go to any Disney park right now around the world, you go through a metal detector, um, for the most part, you go through some kind of bag check. So it's safe to say that anything that is implemented because of this, there's a very good chance that it's hanging around. It's not like they're bringing back temperature checks and they're going to be used for like a year or something like that. It's like whatever they bring, it's probably safe to assume that that's what's going to be in play for a while going forward. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that, you know, temperature checks is like, I think it also depends on, um, if in the, the time before they actually open, if there is some kind of definitive way to check to see if somebody is uh, sick or or contagious with this, because I don't think temperature still denotes, because I think people can feel okay and show no symptoms and still be contagious with this. So, interestingly enough, too, though in the so in this. In this article, he does call out, uh, and I didn't pull this specific quote, but he does call out that they're looking towards some of these uh, some of these methods that are in play 
at Shanghai Disneyland right now where they are doing temperature checks. Everybody that goes into the resort has to wear a mask. Everybody that goes into any of the open resort areas has to have, they have like a, a medically cleared kind of QR system in China. They have to have, you know, that showing that they're medically cleared. Um, so, you know, at least it, it, what it sounds like with that is that they're looking at whatever data they're going to get from that, whether it's effective or not effective, and then try to use that to identify how they're going to build their systems based off of I'm sure their data and based off of whatever medical recommendations are, because you're right. I don't know if, you know, if, if I'm contemplating whether to come to a Disney resort in the wake of all of this after they open and, and, you know, temperature checks are the thing that they implement. Um, I don't know if 100% I'm going to feel like that's going to catch everything. I don't know if I'm going to, that's going to put me completely at ease. Um, you know, It'll be interesting to see virtual queues come into play if if limiting park attendance. But, you know, I mean, it, 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 to what we were saying before, there definitely is a little, uh, at least on the executive side of Disney parks, they recognize that there is a likelihood that there's going to be some trepidation for guests to return to the parks once everything opens back up. So, uh, you know, it. It sounds like things are going to change, so expect them, right? I expect that, but it's it's interesting that uh, that they. I mean, I'm glad that they're looking into this for sure, because uh, you know it, it is going to be tough for people to. I mean, not only tough for them to, you know, potentially have the money now to go back, but people are going to want to feel safe going into. Uh, into a park and particularly also because it's multi-generational nobody wants everybody wants you know to see their you know the that first time bringing your your uh your child to disneyland everybody wants to see the child's like look and 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 their happiness on their face. So, I mean, that's something not just the parents want to see, but the grandparents want to be there for everybody wants to be there for. So we want to make sure that they feel comfortable going all going, but then also make sure that, you know, the grandparents and even the child and everybody's safe going and not going to get sick. Uh, it's tough. Um, but of course there's also legal issues for Disney and opening. So I'm sure they are looking into all these things. Uh, so, and it's a, and it's a delicate balance too, because when you start thinking about what's going to be put into place and how is that going to affect the park's experience? So certainly Iger called out, maybe you're going to have to wait a little bit longer. Maybe it's going to disrupt certain aspects that, you know, you maybe didn't have to worry about in previous visits. One of the more interesting speculations that I, I, I don't I don't believe is based off of anything that's been heard from the Disney side or anything like that. But um, there's a thought that's been floating around the parts of the internet and and Reddit and various different Disney forums. But um, how would you feel if? as part of this kind of tiered opening where they don't necessarily open everything all at once, that they open certain aspects of the theme parks up slowly. 
how would you feel if pre-shows were affected? So rather than everybody, everybody kind of cramming into the stretching room in the haunted mansion, you're just led immediately to the loading area for the doom buggies. And that aspect, the stretching room was just skipped. Uh, I think that's, that's part of the, the, the whole experience. Uh, I think it's something that, uh, I think what would happen, what I imagine should happen is they still run something like the pre-show, but they minimize how many people are in at a time. Right. So I think it just takes longer uh, to get through the line because as of, as you know, as we all know, they pack that room as much as they can. Yeah. And I think what you wind up doing now is you like at least half to a quarter of that is allowed in and then so people can kind of distance themselves away. So that style of pre-show though, seems to be at least the way that a lot of these modern Disney rides are being built, right? Yeah. You look at smugglers run, it has that scene with Hondo where he's, he's introducing you to the facility and the missions and everyone's crammed into that kind of briefing room. Rise of the Resistance is a similar thing. You have multiple instances of being crammed in with people in an enclosed area. So, you know, you, you think, of course, that like, yeah, for sure they're going to limit that. But think about like Rise of the Resistance. It's like, damn, they're going to limit capacity on that ride even more now? That's just, you know, between Rise and Smuggler and Haunted Mansion, like let's say, let's say that, you know, that doubles or triples wait times on some of those rides. Is, would that affect your, would that affect you wanting to go to the park? And like, let's say it opens up for October, Henry, you're, you're, you're always an October park goer, you're contemplating returning. And it's like, you know, everything is every capacity is reduced. And so wait times are doubled to tripled. Well, I think for those rides, you may have that virtual queue falling into place where they're instead of standing in line for a long amount of time and everything, they have the virtual queue so you can actually be in line without being in line and then they can more manage the lines as it is. Uh, because yes, I mean, that would it would definitely suck if you couldn't ride that ride or you're stuck in line all day. But uh, I think it's still acceptable, at least if you can get on the ride at least once or twice during the day. But even if it's a virtual queue, so let's say it's a ha it's a half an hour for, you know, on a normal whatever day you would go to, let's say Haunted Mansion Holiday, and they reduce capacity by a third, but still use the virtual queue system. So, you know, let's say that they, now all of a sudden you have to wait an hour and a half in a virtual queue, so you can still be about other areas of the park, but they're going to limit how many virtual queues you can be in at a time well i mean i think that's one of those things that we have to kind of like suck up in this new after uh covid19 time time frame you know there's going to be changes and this may be one of them but i mean they may wind up having you know you can be in more virtual queues. Uh, there's a virtual queue and then there's fast pass system where you're doing like two of these things. Uh, you know, 
it's I, I know there's there's gonna be a change. You know what does that change mean? As long as it's good for the public, but then that's also why oftentimes like you know for those type rides for Haunted Mansion, I may only ride it once during the day, but I think I'm happy if I at least get to ride it once during the day. Uh, right. I think the the problem comes when you don't get to ride it, like for Rise of the Resistance, where people were getting in virtual queues and maybe not even getting a chance to ride it that day. That would be frustrating. But uh, right. But I think it's it winds up being at least acceptable if you can ride it at least once that day. Um, yep. But I mean, that's yep. something that I'm definitely sure they're looking into. Like, I mean, it's, I think there's going to be a lot of news coming up into like, what is after COVID-19 going to look like? And we just, we're just now getting kind of like a, like a hint of that. So I think they, right. they, they warming up people to, there's going to be changes. Right. And so, I mean, it's uh, to the point of it's a it's a bit of a balance between figuring out how like what's the breaking point in terms of limiting capacity and or altering kind of what is in operation in a park in in the parks on any given day. Um, What's the point where people feel like the cost because I'm sure that they're not going to be necessarily dropping cost to tickets like what's that cost that is going to convince people like you know what not worth it if if um if you know half of the park is closed down or if you know uh i can only go on about a third of the rides that i normally would be then it seems like my ticket should be a third of that cost um, I'm not saying that people are going to say that necessarily, but those are the kinds of challenges when you're thinking about how do we restructure and rejigger these parks, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, it was tough for people before COVID-19 to get into, go to the parks because, you know, costs are going up and ticket prices are going up. And yeah, this is just going to like, you know, after COVID-19, are these costs acceptable? And you definitely like have, have just added one more reason to say like, maybe they are going to need to drop prices because, you know, people are going to be struggling even more so afterwards. Are they going to like say, well, let's keep the prices what it is and we'll just not have <laughs> half the crowd that would normally show up or do they drop the prices and then get more of that crowd back? I mean, I think that's something that they have to also take a look at. Well, it, it, interesting that you, you know, are talking about increased prices and just the, the price pr- uh, pinch in general, because it looks like even though the parks have been closed, this hasn't stopped Disney from increasing the price on both food and drinks. Uh, This, again, comes from the watchful eye of WDW News Today, who noticed various increases on menu items throughout Walt Disney World. So a couple of the examples of this include cocktails throughout the various restaurants in the park, increasing anywhere from $1 to $3. Tortuga Tavern Turkey Leg, that now includes chips on the menu, has gone from $12.50 to $14.50. 
And the most egregious of all is the Applewood Smoked Bacon and Vermont Cheddar Burger at the Alien Compass Lounge at Disney's Yacht Club Resort, going from $13 to $19. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like they're interested in, in giving anyone a discount anytime soon. Well, I think uh, the interesting thing there is that is that people once you get them in the park they're kind of kind of there you have kind of a captive audience at that point uh i think when you deal with like ticket prices now you're you're dealing with something that you don't even get people into the park uh so it's it's a, a bit of a different thing that's kind of but to the point that you know raising the prices on the food like that is is a uh, kind of a, mm, a a tough thing to kind of deal with cuz you know as we've been talking about people are already going to have a tough time getting just getting into the parks and then you're going to have them there then you're going to basically squeeze them for <laughs> uh even more money than than before um, I mean, I had a, I felt frustrated when I found out that I bought a turkey leg from a stand in, in DCA that was a dollar more than everywhere else for some reason. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so, well, so to that point, is 1450 something that you would pay for that turkey leg? Uh, Maybe. Because I only get one uh, when I'm there, and it's kind of a one-time thing, and you're at the park. So, yeah, maybe I might get it. Yeah, I probably would. But. Well, and to your, just like what you were saying, it's like you're there in the park for, you know, it's uh, it, it, if you're there for like a holiday or for a vacation, you're there and you're only getting one. It's like, all right, a couple bucks more, not a big deal. Well, I wouldn't necessarily, it's not a big deal, but for people who are in the know of the prices, they are going to feel like, oh, what is this? You know, this is just insult to injury that you're, you know, charging me more on this stuff at, at this time. But, uh, I mean, I guess if you don't know, it still is going to be high, but I mean, it isn't necessarily a an easy thing to a easy pill to swallow, but it is kind of a a pill we will swallow. I mean, you have no choice. I mean, I guess so. I guess pro tip with that is that with the addition of chips, I guess theoretically you could say tell them that you don't want the chips, which they won't include, and more often for the most part they deduct the cost of the side. I'm sure. That won't be a two dollar deduction, but uh, but yeah, it might save you a little. It might get you closer to the original cost, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it is what it is, right? It, it, well, it'd be it'd be kind of a slap in the face. You find out that I mean, of course, they're not going to give you like the the real cost of the chips. I mean, that would be like, well, I don't want the chips. Okay, that's five cents off, <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah. I guess at least that is a pro tip, you know, take, I don't want those chips. <laughs> never, I have never thought about sides with the turkey leg. I always thought that like the, the part of the appeal of the turkey leg was it was like the perfect mobile 
kind of food item and then you could walk and eat at the same time. Well, I don't know if... <laughs> Unless you're Henry Hall, of course. Well, I mean, even I don't walk and eat one of those. Uh, I take it home because those things are pretty greasy. Uh, they are delicious, but they're greasy. So <laughs> They're greasy, and it's one of those things, too, man, where... You know, if you are in the vicinity of someone eating a turkey leg, like you smell it. Everyone in your general radius knows that you're eating a turkey leg. Uh, I was with somebody. I think I was with I was with my family when it was my daughter's first time to Disneyland. This was maybe like a year, year and a half ago. And there was somebody in line with us while we were waiting for um, the storybook land canal boats. And it was this mother and her daughter and the mother was chowing on a turkey leg. And it was like, it just the entire area just reeked of that smoked turkey, which it's like fine if you're eating it, that's one thing. But man, it was like, you, you know, when you're in line, you just have nowhere to go. It's like being stuck on an airplane with someone that's, you know, launching into like a really, you know, smelly food item. I don't, it's just not... Not that appealing. Yeah, I mean, it's... Well, I mean, I guess for some, it does... Like, those aromatic, like, uh, foods kind of, like, one, they kind of remind people, like, hey, we have... There's a turkey leg. I need to get one of those. Um, and turkey legs always seem and look impressive when you see somebody actually eating them. But, uh, yeah, if, if you're in a certain time and place yeah the smell can get to you and and the thought of somebody eating one of those things and then going to be around touching things that you're going to be around <laughs> does not does not make you happy because you know how greasy those things get and you i mean because of all the tendons you know they're touching stuff so they're gonna have greasy hands and be around you touching like i'm um, the idea that they're going to go on a ride where they're maybe touching a bar or whatnot that other people are going to have to touch afterwards. And uh, that's just people are gross. Henry, she was savaging that turkey leg. Like while we were in line, it was it was she was just going to town like full on into that turkey leg with her entire face. And there was like meat and just like juice like dripping onto the ground it was it was something otherworldly you know you have those moments at at all of the disney parks where uh generally the the people around me other than just kind of the crowdedness and people bumping into you i'm not too bothered by just that general crowd but there's always that like person or two people or just maybe like you know a couple of weirdos that you encounter that you just kind of shake your head at and are just like, what is going on with you? This was uh, this was definitely one of those moments because, like I said, it was, you know, in the middle of this line for this little kid ride, you know, crammed in with everybody else. And she was just, that turkey leg was being demolished. And she was luckily was ahead of us. She was not on our boat. Uh, I couldn't help but just pay attention to her as she was getting onto the ride. As soon as she sat down, that turkey leg came right back up and she kept on working, man. She was just, she was working overtime. Yeah. And that's, that's one of those reasons why I don't eat the turkey leg in the, it's 
I don't eat turkey legs out in public. I don't do uh, <laughs> yeah, barbecue. That's right. <laughs> I don't do barbecue out in public. And oftentimes I won't do like uh, fried chicken or something like that out in public because, I mean, to really get into it and I want to enjoy my food as much as possible you got to savage it, but that's not something <laughs> other people should be, uh, be seen when I'm doing it. At least, you know, I understand that when I'm eating barbecue, barbecue sauce is getting all over the place. I mean, I'll find it like on my forehead or something like that. It's just, <laughs> but that's you really enjoying it. But I mean, I, I keep it indoors and in my house or somewhere else that People aren't going to be able to see me doing that. Henry, I I have been fortunate enough, I think is the word fortunate enough to witness you eat a burrito and man, it made an impression on me. Let me tell you, man, like any, just hearing you talk about eating a turkey leg and when we were down at Disneyland and you, you know, picked up your turkey leg and you were talking about how you were saving your turkey leg and how you had a whole bunch of like other hotel snacks. Dude, all all I all I saw in my head was that burrito go down in like four or five massive bites. I mean, no, you're not cutting any corners when you're when you're when you're doing that. Hey man, when it's time to eat food, it's time to get to business, you know. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh you know what? I believe every word that you're saying right there because you you live that you live that motto. Yeah. But at the same time, I like having clean hands and all that stuff, so I always want to have like a a wash up place handy when I'm done cuz I don't like having my hands all nice and dirty and everything. It's just time to to wash them. And you're not sitting next to little kids on a ride without offering them a bite and we all know you don't like sharing your food. Oh, no. <laughs> well, that just about does it for today. Remember, you can catch The Great Park Hop each and every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcast service just so happens to be. As always, if you like what you hear and want us to keep making content just like this, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, or hit that like button. This has been episode 11 of The Great Park Hop, and we'll catch you next week. Henry, stay healthy, big guy. I'll catch you next week, dude. You too, man. Bye.